Hey, welcome to the show. This is Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. That would be Gerald Briscoe, wherever he is, in, in this Brady Bunch square thing that we have going on. And today, I've been in the business a long time, and one of the greatest characters I've seen come through is this man. He's also one of the greatest rivers of all time. He is Mr. Hornswoggle, Dylan Parsons. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hornswoggle, welcome Thank to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, those were very, very nice words. I, I appreciate that very much. Dylan, I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you on. You know, we, we hear so many stories. And we had a great Dave Finley, Fifth Finley on last week. And, of course, you were his manager for quite some time, traveled the world with him. And he just had a plethora of stories. How do you like that big word, uh, Layfield, uh, <laughs> about you? And we want to get the truth because you know how – how the guy that that does it, uh, you know, they kind of exaggerate the ribs here. But John said the key word that you were a ribber. So no matter how much ribbon you took, uh, you always gave it back to the guys. And I think that's the reason you were over so much and such <laughs> a big superstar in the dressing with the guys. I, I think I, for some reason, I'm somehow known as one of the biggest bullies in the locker room. And I, I <laughs> I don't know how or why I just, it just, I don't know. I, 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 it, it, it's a, it's a question that I'll always have of why I was the one to blame all the time. You know, I tell you maybe, maybe a little hit by it. I got a little text with like Steve Rubin, Mike Mansuri, Tony uh-huh. Campbell, and I sent out, I said, Hey, I got the Hornswoggle on the show today. Any stories? And everyone was about, tell about the time he did this to Chimmel. Tell about the time he did this to Chimmel. <laughs> tell about the dirty clothes hamper when he almost gave Chimmel a heart attack. Yeah, but that's not bullying. That's doing a favor for everyone else by messing with Chimmel. That's that's and by the way, by the way, we asked Chimmel to come on the show and he was afraid that we would bury him and, and so he declined our invitation. He declined. Right he declined our invitation to come yep. on. He did jeez. He I mean he's a he's a he was he's the He's a top guy. You know, he's he's been around forever. He he's a hard man to find these days vacationing vacationing in Florida every week, it seems. And, Dylan, I will agree with you on the, the chimmel part. It's kind of like uh, coyotes in Texas. There's like varmint season. You know, they're just a pest, so you can shoot them at any time. It's community chimel service. like varmint season. Yeah, it's community service, essentially. Picking out chimmel is community service. <laughs> doing a favor. I was doing good for the community. Doing a favor to all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I, we got to ask because – uh, I heard before we got on air. Your your Twitter has blown up over this chicken in this, the ring in Mexico story. So I thought I thought it was gone, guys. I thought I had washed my hands with it. I wrote it in my book about it. I told the story. I thought it was done. I thought it was finally over with. It never will be, has to be brought up again. And then it gets brought up again. And my my social media has just exploded about this god dang chicken story where <clears throat> my life was put on the line, guys. I'm, uh, you guys have no idea. Like, it, people fear a lot of things. The two things I fear are the dark and, ch- and, and, and I would say birds in general. Birds are unpredictable, especially chickens and roosters. They have talons. This is a phobia of mine and of a lot of people. That's a good thing. Like, that, that's, it's a common thing that is, is, is not crazy at all. They have talent. They train roosters to fight. <laughs> this uh, it was one of the worst days I've ever been under the ring. Easily. So Easily. now, do you eat fried chicken? 
I love it, Jerry. I love it. It's like I'm. It's That's like the I'm, only thing chickens are good for, right? Is to eat. Exactly. It's my payback to them for causing me such hell <laughs> all my life. So Finley says that he found out you were afraid of chickens during the Kali segment when you had a chicken there and a goat there, and you kind of took a step back from the chicken. And that's when Dave Finley put it in his phone that, uh-oh, I got him now. I, I completely forgot about that's how it came out. But it's 100% right. They had, a, they had that segment in the ring, and I remember just kind of looking at the chicken side-eyed, and Fit sees these things. I, the relationship between myself and Dave has always been literally instantly like a father-son relationship at all times. I call him dad. I text him every Father's Day, Happy Father's Day, that kind of thing. Like he is just, he's my dad. And it's like now when I see my son like react to something, it's like, oh, I got him now. I got him. It's always in the back. But he now puts this in his phone. So now when he wants to get me with something, AKA a, a killer rooster, a menacing chicken that could have killed me. A killer rooster. Uh, what? A killer rooster. Yeah, hundred. It had talons, John. <laughs> it could have killed me. It, it. It. But he he used this against me in a way that I never thought he would do. He turned his back on me for that second and tried to have me harmed. That's what I'm going with. Well, now he tells a story about Scott Acock. Who's a security with WWE? Had I may have been. I'm, I may have bullied Scott Acock a little bit, just a tad. I may have done that, but it doesn't. It did not. It shouldn't have caused this. <laughs> so, what were you thinking when the rooster gets under the ring? So, I'm under the ring, changing. Uh, it's uh, changing literally for what's for my spot on the show later. And I see behind me the apron flap. And I was like, ah, something took a bump above me and just popped the apron. And now I see a camera under there. And I go, why the hell is there a camera under the ring? And then I turn and I'm eye to eye with this goddamn rooster, John. <laughs> and, and I was not happy at all. So now I'm, I, I, I think... I'm going to throw the, my whole spot away. I, I'm going to run out. I'm going to run out from under the apron if it comes at me. So there was a kendo stick and like my jacket. I remember grabbing the kendo stick thinking if it comes at me, which it's going to because it's menacing, I'm going to swing at this thing. And I kept yelling, like, if I kill it, it's not on my hands, guys. It's not. It, it, Pete is going to be really pissed off about this. Got like, and then it goes and then I see flashes. So now the flashes are going to piss this thing off even more. It goes out. And it gets shoved back under. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I remember, and now I hear, because the, the match above me was Drew McIntyre and Chris Masters. I remember like it was yesterday. And Drew McIntyre gets on the mic and goes, ladies and gentlemen, there is a chicken under the ring. <laughs> like to the crowd. And now I'm, I'm like, guys, I'm coming out. If this comes at me, I am coming out. Finally, it gets out, comes back one more time, and it gets away. I, oh, I, I have goosebumps now thinking of it. That, this is – it was the worst. The absolute – like I said, one of the worst. 
if not the worst, the second number two spot of, of the worst night under the ring. It just, oh, man, the, it, it, too far. I could have been killed. <laughs> could so have been killed by this rooster, huh? Yeah. So I look eye to eye with these things. Guys, I don't know if you know, but I'm not a tall human. <laughs> I, I was looking this thing in the eyes. It was standing, and I think at one point it showed his talons to me. And these were about three foot long in my mind. <laughs> so if this is the second worst night, what was the worst night? Easily the time I fell asleep under the ring on the uh, and I was supposed to come out at the Undertaker. Uh you we fell were, asleep with the during a spot with the Undertaker. Yes. I'm not very wow. proud of this, John. The match was the match was and again this is this is probably the craziest part. It was Kane Batista and The Undertaker versus Finley, uh, Great Kali, and Big Daddy V in a six-man tag. That's a lot of weight above me moving around. That is a, a, a lot of weight. So my spot's ready to hit. As Finley describes it, he guts off the apron, lifts the apron. Where's Dylan? Looks, all he sees is me laid out face down, just <laughs> passed out. He goes, Oh no, one of the beams must have hit him or something. The way he tells it is he shakes me. The way I remember it is I got on the head, hey. And I just look at him with this kind of dazed look, like I I don't know. And I go, Oh no, I missed my sp-. he throws me in, and as he's taking me out, I go. Oh no, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because I know the spot is with the undertaker and now the undertaker has had to wait for me. He's oh, I get in, he throws me in undertaker. The spot is I walk into him. He sits up and he goozles me. And I, as he's laying down, I'm walking to him. I'm just going, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Sits up. Here we go. We get to the back. He goes, what happened? I go, I was sleeping. He goes, what? <laughs> you told the undertaker you were sleeping on his hundred percent. I wasn't gonna lie to him. You got balls, my friend. <laughs> I was not gonna I was not gonna lie to him because then it would have been worse. So he goes, You were what? I go, I, I fell asleep. I mean, guys, I I might have been a little sleepy from the night before. <laughs> It was I mean, you've been time. rumored to, 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 to toss a few. I mean, was this? Sleepy time water? tea. I was drinking a lot of that herbal tea the night before. That's exactly what it was. I was overserved. I was overserved. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, but uh, he just shakes his head and he goes off. And I now Finley comes up. He goes, what happened? I go, I fell asleep. And now it's like how thinking about it back now, how I fell asleep. That was the last match of the night. I was asleep for the whole show, the whole show, the last match of the night. I'm still asleep with all that weight. I was, I was very, very tired as they say. And all that noise above you and everything. I mean, not, not, not a peep come out. Nothing. So it, it, it came to like a cool, like a weird thing where like halfway through the tour, I would be able to hear what was going on, like in the ring above me. And just figure out what was happening in the matches. It was a neat, like a a random thing that I could figure out just by the sound and the crowd reaction of of what was happening. 
Now, under the ring, they have like a kind of like a condominium under there. They got TV service under there. They got refreshments and all that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly what they have in Peru under a ring. Yes, that's exactly yeah, Peru. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, when I when we had to do TV this, under the ring spots at Raw or SmackDown tapings, it was the best. They had a pad, a monitor, a thing, a Gatorade. Awesome. It was the Ritz compared to the town motel in Peru or across or Podunk, Indiana. Like that, it was completely different one compared to the next. So in Peru, a lot of times they had to sneak you under the ring before the fans came in, right? Yeah. So if there would be, there was like, we had like three options. We would either do it before the fans came in, which for overseas tours was an hour and a half before the show started. Uh, so it would be before the, before the show started, I would go under, just bring a game system or something and just, or sleep as we know. Uh, otherwise we would put just, uh, just black, all black on and all the security guards and ring crew would just sneak me out while the lights were down. So those, that was the easiest thing was to do it before the fans came in. The preferred way was to do it a couple matches before me. Well, there was a video on the, on the screen. So you'd be under there for four hours. My longest was seven hours. Wow. Yeah. This that is- was, that was my just hanging out, hanging mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So you weren't, I mean, at that point, like you were just like, Hey, I really like to see a rooster now because I'm bored. <laughs> One thing I think of like, Hey, I've been under the ring for a few hours. I just wish someone threw a very angry killer rooster underneath the ring with me that won't be agitated by noise above it at all. A lot of noise above it because people are bumping on a ring that it's really used to. I mean, roosters hang out under rings all the time, obviously. So it's used to the noise. (laughs) What about, uh, you know, you did some stuff with Kali and from what I heard, and I'm not going to say from who Larry heck, told me that you guys <laughs> you guys would walk through airports holding hands. Uh, holding fingers, yes. Uh, just uh, to get the reaction from people. Yeah, so he was my first when I first got hired by WWE in two, uh, 2006, my first riding uh, uh, car was myself, Sean Davari, the great Kali, and Mark Henry. <laughs> now you talk about a circus. That is the epitome of a traveling circus right there. It just, we would, and we always would get a big van, a big, big van every time. And I would be in the back with the bags. Mark and Kali sprawled out to finally get comfortable for the first time. Davari would always drive. And it was just a traveling circus. But to make ourselves laugh, I would hold Kali's pinky. And he goes, that's my son, man. That's my son. And and he would like sit me on the bar stool or at the table. Like I was his child. Yeah. So you're traveling with the world's strongest man, the Indian giant. Yes. And And Hornswoggle all together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it was the best. It was the absolute best. We got pulled over one time and I remember Mark Henry from the back seat goes, officer, if I open this door, that's okay. Right. He opens the door and then the cop realizes what this van is. He goes, you guys just go, just, just go. There's no more cops for the next 70 miles. You'll get to the town. Go as fast as you want. 
Yeah. How did you end up getting the call? I, I, I saw some bunch of your interviews and stuff, but the call to end up going to WWE, you trained to, to yeah. work. You're working at Target, and then you kind of felt bad to tell your dad you're going to work for this great company that you've always wanted to work for. It. The crazy thing is, is like, so Mr. Kennedy, uh, Ken Anderson trained me um, in Green Bay, and they were looking for, uh, I can say it because I like the term, a midget for Finley. Uh, to be a leprechaun and they were trying them out here and there uh, in different cities and they needed uh, a midget for a spot with gold dust and Booker T literally a random raw segment. And so he gave me the call. It was in Milwaukee. He gave me the call and I was an extra that day. And I had heard that they were trying people out to be with Finley. So I said, Hey, I'd love to do it if I can. Uh, I'd love to try out. They have me do, uh, they have me and fit, go into promo the promo room with brawler i bomb the promos of course because i'm not good at accents and i've tried to do this horrible irish accent that is was just awful that's why i probably didn't talk for seven of the years i was there but it's it's just we did that and it was awful i walked out and i remember saying to fit how did it go he goes not the best and I just instantly go, <laughs> Fits oh, the best. well, okay. Uh, it was nice being an extra today. It'll never be again kind of thing. Uh, but then two weeks later, I guess Ken put the word in with fit uh, for me and they hired me and it was off to the races. Uh, three days before my 20th birthday, just traveling the world instantly. It was crazy. So it was absolutely Mr. crazy. Mr. Kennedy helps you get in and then you end up taking his spot. I mean, some may say. <laughs> tell me dylan did did you grow up watching wrestling did you grow up wanting to be in the business or was it yeah yeah so the only thing since i was like four years old the only thing i want to do is professionally wrestle uh at six i had major back surgery that paralyzed me uh for the waist down and the first thing they say is no contact sports and no trampolines and i instantly go kind of even at that age in my mindset i was like i'm not gonna listen to that and obviously I didn't, um, but yeah, I grew up on wrestling. I, Ultimate Warrior was my guy. He was my, just my absolute hero and absolute favorite uh, growing up. And it's just, I loved it. Everything. I didn't care about football or baseball or basketball or Superman or Spider-Man. Wrestling was my sport and my superhero for my whole life. Have you had any problems because of the, the, what the doctor said with the rod in your back? No, I mean, knock on, knock on wood. Knock on wood, I my, my lower back is fused, fused. Um, but it's just, it's just, it's, it's been good. It's, it's been. And who good. was the biggest man ever to slam you? Mark Henry. I was a spot where Mark Henry gave me the, the his his finish there. And right. but talk about a gentle giant. He is just the most, the nicest, gentlest human being, <clears throat> unless he's tired. That I know. Unless he's tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he's a grouchy old bear then. Then I don't deal with him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Larry Hank told me on going down south on Interstate 35 one time, you had blown out both of your front tires, and yep. Larry pulls over to help you, and there's Mark Henry and Larry and you out there. How did you blow out both of your front tires in your car? I'm not a good driver, John. I'm not. <laughs> there's also a time. There's also a time where – after after the circus of me, Mark, 
uh, Davari and Kali, my next riding partners were Larry Heck, Jimmy Corderas, and Tony Chimmel. Just misfits. Just a band of misfits right there. Um, where Corderas, who would do a lot of the driving, got a flat. And while him and Larry are changing the tire, Chimmel and I are going like this on the side of the highway trying to get semis to honk at us just to pop ourselves because I don't know how to change a tire. Chimmel doesn't want to change a tire. We just want to have fun at their expense. So we're just on the side of the road honking at semis. And then they just look back at us asking for help. Oh yeah, we'll get the bags. We didn't touch a thing. So you almost gave Chimmel a heart attack one time by being in the dirty clothes hamper. Uh, it put me in the, yeah, we decided one day, this is, we're going to, we're going to kick it up a notch with Chimmel. And they put me in the towel. You tortured him incessantly. Every <laughs> Tuesday. Every Tuesday for about two hours straight. I would, I would just go in the production. By the way, everybody approved of. 100%. They saw me coming in. And at one point he was, he was just stressed from the week. He had a bad week that week. And he puts on the sign, Dylan, not allowed. I immediately walked in there and I told him I didn't see the sign because it was too high. It was his fault for putting it. <laughs> and I just turned it up even more. But this time he wasn't in the office. So I was like, guys, we got to turn it up. We got we to really get him. I go in the, in the towel bin, which I know he's going to then use because he always did the towels for the locker rooms and for the boys. Whew. Here we go. One of the boys comes in, asks for a towel. He opens that hamper. I pop out. <laughs> I I have never seen a guy turn so ghost white in my life. He he about keeled over that day, and I felt bad for three seconds. And then I was really, really happy about it. <laughs> we, we got him so good. I would change. I would take buttons off his laptop and, and change them. I would just take them off. I would... He would be working and I would walk past him and just turn his internet off. So we didn't have internet for like five, 10 minutes to do his work. I would just mess with him, take wheels. I would take the wheel out of his chair, just one. So when he would sit back, he would take a bump. It, it was my favorite part about Tuesday was messing with Chimmel. <laughs> if, you know, if he would have died, you'd probably get like a Nobel Peace Prize or something. I would have, I would still or be there I would still be there today. Yeah, you would have been the most popular guy in the dressing room. <laughs> and you used to torture when you were under the ring too, right? So that Just was my other favorite thing. The, the ring aprons, you can't see under, but I could see through. And I would, because they're on the live events, there wasn't a monitor. Uh, we, my cue, if Finley wasn't coming to get me, my cue would be Tony Chimmel would throw a water bottle under the ring because no one really realized what he was doing. And only the people right behind him, the three people right behind him would see him do it. Jimmy Smith on concourse four ain't going to see that. So we're fine, but I would be right in front of him at all times. Lights would go out. He would be in the ring with the microphone I would then take his wrench for the bell because he also worked the bell. I would sometimes take the whole bell so he couldn't ring the bell as the ref is calling for the bell. He would literally just be, oh, oh, what do I do? There was one time he had to take the leg of his chair to ring the bell because he didn't have anything. 
I upped it a notch. I took, he would put the microphone on the ground and then take the jackets to the back. And I would just take the mic under the ring. I would just pull it under the ring completely. So we had nothing to announce until I heard the one, two, three, and then I would shoot it back out last second. He, it got to the point where he would tie the microphone cord around his chair. So I couldn't pull it under the ring. I messed it. I would take <laughs> worms and just toss them out to him at him. All, I just, him and I had such a love hate relationship. It was, he's, he's one of my favorite humans, especially to mess with. That's a guy like, that's a guy like kidding aside who does, who has done everything, like literally everything from ring announcing to jackets, to production office, to refing. Like he has done it all. And just, but making his life hell really made my day even better. He, he was here from the beginning. I started yeah. in, you know, year one of the company yeah. and, and Chimmel was already here. I mean, he was already driving the rain trucks. He used to leave his rain truck over Briscoe Brothers Body Shop and have to come there. And I love giving him grief. Y'all, well, somebody took, I, I'd take the truck and move it around back, you know, where nobody could. I said, last night we had to call the cops. Somebody come and stole the damn oh. truck. And, and of course, you know, Chimmel and, and his friend, you know, I mean, he'd go nuts. I mean, usually uh, 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 the referee was with him. Uh, Joey Morella. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, it was It was so fun. But, man, I mean, you, you were the master at ribbing him. Oh, uh, it was that that's something that, you know, if there's one thing I go down for, it's and it's messing with Tony Chimmel, I'm okay with that. It's, <laughs> it, it's I believe, your greatest trait. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're brought to this company to mess with <laughs> That makes me happy. <laughs> People don't realize that the, the stress and, 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 and the work that we, you know, we put in on a TV day and having wow. things like that go on in the background is such a, such a stress relief, you know, and it was always uh, so much fun, you know, watching the annex and even that guy sitting up in the corner up there with my Briscoe Brothers Body Shop T-shirt on, he would he wasn't immune to pulling a rib or two. Did he ever rib you? <laughs> uh, no. He, this guy, saved my job. Easily saved my job at my first WrestleMania uh, by getting me to my hotel room at, in Detroit at WrestleMania. <laughs> True story. Oh man. So, oh, I didn't. So I, I, again, my first WrestleMania, we're in Detroit for WrestleMania 23. Myself and Bob Holly and the Hurricane go to TGI Fridays or something. But it's in the same, it's sharing a parking lot with the hotel, essentially. And I have some uh, sodas, of course. And I go back to the hotel a hurricane drives me back to the hotel on the way. It's not even a block. I end up vomiting all over his <laughs> rental car, all over his rental car inside. They now we pull up to the hotel uh, right up to get uh, to park. So I can actually get into the lobby. Who are the first two people I see? Mr. Layfield and Bruce Pritchard oh. <laughs> who pulled up, who they pulled up. In their limo, of course, you know, probably had horns on it, I'm sure. But it's the first two people I see, and they look at me, and they go, Dylan, have you been drinking? And I just look at them, 
Look, I, I, Bruce describes it as a child you got who who got caught in the cookie jar. Just yeah, like, yeah. Nope. nope. <laughs> I don't know the rest. John can finish it because I don't quite know the rest. But all I know is after they arrived, it wasn't five minutes after they arrived that Vince's limo pulled up right behind them. And I, man, I can't imagine if he would have caught, saw me like that. Well, what we have is I, I, I tell Bruce, I said, well, we got to help Dylan out. Because the first thing we said was, we were best with you. We said, Dylan, have you been drinking? And it was the most innocent face. That, no. <laughs> and just <laughs> hammered. So me and Bruce get him into the, the production office or the green room, whatever it is. We get him in there. And he, Dylan's not doing very good at walking. So finally, we get a luggage cart and the bellman, and we said, so the bellman said, hey, you got to take him up to this room. And he says, what do I do? I get him up there. I go, dump. <laughs> so we can't carry him. So we pay, the, we pay the guy to take Dylan up to his room. Yeah. We got him on the luggage cart, got him through, right through yeah. there, got him out there before Vince could see him, oh. and got him up there. Oh man, yes, I, I, it's, it's, again, only hell. Your, your my, my first WrestleMania could have been easily my last. If that moment, like it just, it's one of those moments that was. It'll, it'll. It's one of my favorite stories that I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, one of one of the great things. It's always, it's always so fun to see the expression on somebody's face who, who, who's just been drinking all night. Have you been drinking? Oh, no, sir. No, sir. <laughs> that, that's like, it's, it has to be fun being a police officer for those kind of things because it's it's always an anger or a complete, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah it wasn't even a few. It wasn't like, oh, I had a few. It was no. <laughs> and we're like, what do we do with it? So we're, we got it with a luggage cart. People people are like looking like, that's, that's, that's Hornswoggle. Just look the other way. It's yeah. not Hornswoggle. Again, not only is it a, a, a guy on TV, a, 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 you know, a, a WWE superstar, this is a midget riding a luggage cart. <laughs> right. Right through the lobby. That's not the way to get it through. So yeah. there were fans there. Thank goodness this was before cell phones. Because if there had been cell phones, we'd have had to take them a different way. We knew that no, all they could do is say they saw him. Yes. They can't prove that they saw yeah. him. So we're taking him through the, <laughs> through the lobby. And people are looking and they're like, Oh, there's uh, there's JBL and Bruce Brother Love and who is that on the court? Yeah. <laughs> the best, yeah, the countless number of guys that we've had to have to get to the room during WrestleMania week. I mean, you know, it goes into the hundred. I'm sure. <laughs> I can only imagine WrestleMania week takes a toll on everybody throughout the year. Like that, that has to be one of the biggest sleepy weekends ever. One time, everything's under a microscope. No matter what you're doing, where yeah. you're at, every, everything, everything, and everybody's just under that microscope. Yep. And, 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 and Vince hears everything. Yep. We're, we're in South Africa. Jerry comes up to my room and he goes, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Mr. Briscoe, I'm taking a shower. I'm gonna run a little late, okay?" And he says, "We're waiting on you." And he goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm taking a shower, Mr. Briscoe. I'll be down there as soon as I can." He said, "There's no water running." I'm just standing in the shower. There's no oh. water. I don't know how long I've been there. Nothing. I'm just standing there. 
He's dealing, he's doing one of these, you know, with his hand holding himself up against the shower, up against the shower wall, just holding. And I'm standing there, you know, we're late. You know how the bus, you know, you take off, you know, and, and so I'm not going to leave, leave Layfield. So I go, I go up, get, get the key to the room, go up, and he's standing in the shower getting ready. John, John, come on, what are you doing? Well, I'm showering, Mr. Briscoe. I'm going to be ready in a couple of minutes. I'm showering. I look, I said, don't you think it'd work better if you turned the water on? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, how did you guys, I don't know if you, you've talked about it in depth on here yet, but how did you guys become so close first? Like, was it, was there a, was there a night, was it a night out where you guys just kind of looked at each other like, this is, this is awesome kind of thing. Hell no, I heard his fat ass. <laughs> hey, Dylan, he's in, he's in the shower. I mean, we're having, I'll tell you the, the, the story. Uh, uh, Bruce sent him up and Bruce had gone. Bruce takes a vacation or something. So uh, he sent him up to, I think it's Bethlehem, uh, PA. So there's a blizzard that night. And so there's only like 300 people in the damn arena, you know, so. I got this big ass text and I want to give him a shot. And the next night he had already obligated himself to go down to WCW and try out down there. So, you know, I saw him, he, I put him with Savio Vega. And of course, if you can't have a match with Savio Vega, you can't have a damn match. So they went out and as cold as hell as that place was, they just, you know, they heated the place up and just tore it apart. Well, Vince is over in the, uh, and the damn makeup chair getting his hair hair trim and his makeup on because he does he was doing commentary during the same uh, time. I said, "Hey Vince, I said I just tried out this Texas guy. He's like six foot seven or whatever, held three hundred pounds. He's a big boy. We need to hire him." He said, well, let's talk later. I said, "No, uh, he's obligated to go down WCW tomorrow." And I know if Dusty Rhodes gets a look at this guy that. Dusty's going to offer him whatever he needs to do to get him down. So uh, he said, well, if you feel that strongly about him, go offer him a damn contract. So I go busting in a damn locker room. He's in the shower, showering, but he's not holding himself up. This time. <laughs> There's actual and, water uh, running. Yeah. So and things are bigger in Texas, like they say they are, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, I said, John, get dressed. So we got dressed. So we talked. I said, you know, we're going to offer you a deal. I give you my word, we're going to offer you a deal. But you got to call WCW and tell them that you're not coming down there tomorrow. And, of course, at this time, there were no cell phones. But back in that back of Hirsch, uh, Bethlehem Arena, they had a wall of, of pay phones, you know, where, where you go and make phone. I said, come on over there. So he goes into one of these things that you can close the door on. So I'm standing outside. He picks up the phone. Hey, Dusty, you know, so I'm, I'm eavesdropping. I got my ear up against to make sure he's saying the right thing. You know, they're going to offer me a deal here. Sorry, I can't make it tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. So that's basically how, how, how our, our friendship started, you know. And I've been stuck with him ever since. <laughs> I've been carrying him ever since. Man. <laughs> I've kept him out of jail. I've kept his job. I kept his job for so good that I lost my job keeping his job. Because <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, you understand, we used to do those long tours. You know, when you do Raw once a month, and we'd have uh, three and a half weeks to travel. So we'd do like 23 days in Germany or 20 days in Africa, then go to the Middle East or, or that many days in Japan and Korea. And Jerry was the agent. 
So I would always sit up front with Jerry and we'd play cards or whatever else. And Jerry was the guy that we'd I'd go out with at night. So that's how the kind of the, the friendship came. We traveled all over the world together. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't. He, he, he tried to arrest me in every damn parking lot in Germany, twenty-one straight days. I kept trying. I kept trying. Really? It, it, I, it didn't work very well. My my record was pretty bad. <laughs> Jerry, was there ever Jerry? Was there ever someone that surprised you that got you, or never? In the rushing business, yeah. That like nope. that like you know the you, the story of Bischoff and and now John, no one that ever like got you. Well, I mean, I got Layfield. We're, we're, we're in Greensboro, North Carolina. We had Sawyer Brown. Back in the days, they used to, you know, have these groups to kind of help draw a crowd and help warm up the crowd. So we had Sawyer Brown here. You know, everybody's a big Sawyer Brown fan. So, you know, we're listening to music and everything. So I see John and Ron. They're over there. The back's to me. And I got to go to the ring. They're listening to Sawyer Brown. Sawyer Brown's hitting him, man. He's sounding good. So I'm walking to the ring. I get about three quarters of the way down the ring. All of a sudden, I buckle. This 320-pound damn Texan tackled my ass from behind. You know those big old ass barricades they have, you know, with they, they weigh about 500 pounds. They don't move no matter. He ran me into that thing, and I'm there, man, and I'm out. And he's all got poop boy, chip boy. I start tapping, man. I actually tapped to the son of a bitch there and <laughs> tapped him, and he left. I got Britney. I saw you, Brown, stop rehearsal. Stop their <laughs> gold and platinum selling uh, song. And said, looks like Bradshaw got Briscoe this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's the – I mean, if – if anyone ever gets would ever get Mr. Briscoe, it wouldn't top that though. Like that's that's the one get. Oh, it's yeah, the one get. Well, it's I got your Bruce Pritchard, you know, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce always read my read my ass, you know, and I had a good pretty good record against Bruce Stoop. Yeah. We were in one of the France or Germany, somewhere over in, in the UK. Maybe it was even uh London, I don't know. But do you know how slow those damn elevators are there? I mean, they take forever. I'm I finally get on the elevator. I make it downstairs and I run in that Mickey Brett, you know, the, the, the tour manager. So I stop, start bullshit with Mickey. All of a sudden, I see Mickey's eyes get wide by the time I turn around at Pritchard. Pritchard had grabbed me and tackled me and took my ass down and rolled, we rolled over the side. He got up real quick and he ran to the elevators. He pushing these buttons. I'm watching him put the watching these doors are closed. I had the door to, the door closed just as I get there. Oh. But he was only on the second or third floor. So I get to, I see the steps right next to the elevator. So I run up, and by the time that elevator gets to the second floor, you know it's got to stop at one, open the doors, close the doors, take forever. Man, I was already up there, and he, those doors open. He sees me. He takes off running down the hallway. You remember over there, some of those hotels, they have those safety doors. You know, so he gets the safety door. He pushes it to and puts, puts a, a kick on it. There's why I can't open it. So I'm shoving, getting the door, and I'm watching it going down. About the time he gets that key in there, opens that door, I'm there. I tackle his fat ass, and he's down, he's down <laughs> on the ground. I'm tapping Mr. Briscoe. I'm tapping. So both of them got a victory on me, but it's both international, y'all, even though John was crazy. <laughs> I come out one day, Dylan, and they've got the wrestling headgear on. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, 
I'm going in my room and I'm dead bolting the door. This is, this doesn't end well under any level whatsoever. No, no I, if they're going to go that far, neither of them are going to stop. No, absolutely. When Kurt Angle was around, you know, I, I, Bruce said, we got to get, you know, we, we, we set, uh, you know, uh, Bruno out and have got, got some headgear. So every night we get in the hotel. All right, Kurt, you know, come, you know, we, he'd show up. I'd open the door to headgear. He would just make it about face and head back. To the <laughs> <door>. <laughs> I mean, it was a crazy time back yeah. then. Yeah. Bill and Mike Mansuri told me to remind uh, the story. It, it, he, we can remember the, the bar, but not the city. Calico Jacks, where you almost got into a fight with the great big guy. <laughs> When you threw the <laughs> threw the mug over your head, so we're Guys. I think it was one of the Miami Heat uh, NBA championship games. I think we were over there watch the game. So and- here's here's the problem. I feel that when I have a couple drinks, that I'm seven foot tall. <laughs> and the issue is, I'm really really good at starting fights. I have never been in a real fight in my life ever because it's like I start it, and then the guy realizes who did it. And it looks at me and goes, fuck if I, if I hit him, I'm the asshole. Like, and then he, it just either stops itself or someone gets in the fight for me kind of thing, which is a very pussy move or crappy move, but it, it it's, what I, every time I have some, it happens. There have been many times where someone I'll just like, I'll have my drink and I'll just be sick of it at that point. And why give it to the waitress or the wait staff to throw away when I could take it and just fling it behind me and not know where it goes. Ugh, many times it, it's, it's uh, out of my control. At that Jerry, point. we're in this crowded bar. we watched, I think it was the Miami heats uh, championship uh, last six game six when they won it, I believe. And Dylan, just like he says, he takes the drink and he throws the beer mug over his head and he hits this guy. Of course, the place is packed. And this guy wants to fight him. He's probably 6'3 or 6'4. And <laughs> Dylan is like, screw you. Let's step outside. The guy goes, all right, that's fine with me. And I go, stop. <laughs> he got two feet on him. I said, what are you going to do, fight him? The guy goes, he hit me with a beer mug. I said, you're going to fight him? <laughs> and Dylan is just sitting there just taunting him going I'll kill you <laughs> I, I just don't I don't know what comes over me and at this point at my age I wouldn't even think of that because it would take more energy to throw that than I even have nowadays especially <laughs> a couple in I don't want to do that anymore no <laughs> no hey, what, what happened with uh, I heard a story about Edge where you were not wearing a seatbelt and he hits the brakes and you get stuck in the floorboard. Oh, son of a bitch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And he won't stop and he won't help you out. No, very rarely do I not wear my seatbelt because of things like this. And I'm just, I've just been always been a seatbelt advocate, Uh, but there's a few times and it's only when I'm not wearing it that something like this happens, obviously, but I don't remember what the circumstance or anything. All I remember was I was, I was turned and then I was under 
under the, 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 the dashboard. Uh-huh. He hits the brake so hard, I somehow slide under and I'm looking at the ceiling. I can't get out. And he just looks at me and he has, his eyes are just dinner plates. And he goes, oh, I can't help you. This is too good. I, <laughs> I go, I'm, I'm stuck, Adam. He goes, I, I don't care. I don't care. This is, this is too good to help. I, I want to see how this ends. And I go, how this ends? It ends. It's ended. This is already, this is the end. I'm done. I'm stuck. Well, I really want to see you try to get out of there now. <laughs> okay. So he didn't let you out. No, I had to. I had to somehow crawl out. He's How long the bully. You, you see here, John. He's the bully. All of this turns back, and this is me sticking up for myself. In all of these stories, I'm sticking up for myself, and this is this is him. Me proving the other people are the real bullies. Well, speaking of bullies, and I love Dave Finley. He's one. He's one of my. Dave, oh, I think nice. the world of Dave. But how about him trying to sell you in the Philippines? <laughs> Another fear. I don't like dogs. Dogs. When I was a child, dogs jump, and they when they. I look. When I was a child, I look. I pretty much look a wiener dog in the eye. Let's be honest here. <laughs> So when they jump on me, I get knocked over, and I don't like that. Dogs, I don't like. This tour alone, Dave tried to sell me to a man in the Philippines, and it might have been this tour or the net or the chicken one, where a, a rabid dog, a wild dog, out tried to attack me, and he sat back. He tried to push me down a volcano. We went to we went sightseeing, and we were in this. In a, the nice volcano, and he just gives me a little shove. And I, he he has put me through so much hell, and that I still love him for. But yes, he he was trying to sell me to a man in the Philippines. The man was trying to offer him money, and he just keeps pushing me closer to him. So this guy that I don't know, and I'm not understanding what this guy wants. And then it clicks. Oh, he's trying to buy me. <laughs> and Dave's not saying no. Instead, Dave's doing the opposite. How much? Um, no, Jack, a little more. A little, and he's pushing me towards him. I can't. I don't. It's the most love abusive relationship that I've ever had, and I love him for that. Well, did he get a good offer or what? I ran, Jerry. I ran. <laughs> the minute I realized what the circumstances were that this man wanted to buy me and I probably wouldn't be coming home. I bolted. Cause you know, Dave would go through with the deal. hundred percent. <laughs> and then he'd get back on the bus and they'd get to the arena and they'd expect me there. And Dave goes, oh, I don't know what happened. <laughs> he disappeared. I don't know. He, we played this game called Tommy ball with Tommy dreamer where overseas to pass the time because I, and again, like all of these occur because of the overseas tours and just pass, especially on those, you just try to pass the time, just try to get through it and pop the boys and make it as good as you can. Tommy dreamer would sit at the end of a locker room and we would take a tennis ball and try to toss it at his, at his balls. That was what we did. Tommy would just sit there and handle this. And so 
there was people, and it would be a locker room sellout of everyone trying to hit Tommy Dreamer in the nuts with a tennis ball. So we did have a tennis ball one day. And I would do it in the house shows. I would do a spot where I would juggle them and then they would go to the crowd. But I needed a tennis ball, not for that spot because the show doesn't come first. Hitting Tommy Dreamer in the nuts comes first. That's the part that matters in the end. So I go to the production office and said, hey, can I get some tennis balls? And they go, yeah, sure. Fit hears me and he knows that it's not for the spot in the ring. So I eventually, my idea was, all right, I'm going to get him for the spot. I'm then going to put him in my pockets, bring him back. We're going to throw him at his nuts. Going to be the best day ever. Spot happens. I'm juggling these balls. Here we go. And they tell me beforehand that these are $400 tennis balls because they're from the <laughs> French Open, which I don't know what this is. I don't know tennis. I don't know anything. But in my mind, I can't let the locker room down. Here you go. Spot comes. I'm juggling these tennis balls. It's over. Fit takes the balls and starts throwing them in the crowd. And I'm going, oh, there's $100. Oh, there's $300. Oh, no. And I'm, I'm shaking. I get to the back, and I'm just sweating so much. And I go, he goes, what's wrong? I said, nothing. He goes, what's wrong? I said, those are $400 tennis balls. He goes, why would you pay $400? Tennis? I said, because I needed them for Tommy. I needed them for that spot. I completely <laughs> messed it all up. And he goes, first off, there's not a French open or whatever term they used. Secondly, don't pay $400 for hitting Tommy Dreamer in the nuts. And he gives me a thing. It was just one of those things where he took – Fit is one of the, like, like you said, he has all these things in his phone, but I feel like even aside from that, he just, he picks that he can pick something out about someone and he'll run with it that no one else will ever notice. But if he'll notice every time we would go on the corner, he would be behind me when I like, it was like that movie Titanic on the, on the turnbuckles and we would get down and he would, he had the shillelagh in his right hand. And as he would get down, he'd go pop every time he'd get down every time. And it would be like a, like the roadrunner and Wiley coyote. I felt this lump on my head, just in different spots. Finally, so much so that mid tour, I just be like this and just go like this and he'd hold my hands out. So I couldn't block the shot. I knew it was, I should have just dealt with it and knew it was coming, but he would always get and the crowd. Didn't notice it. The crowd just thought he was getting off the, the turnbuckle and hitting me in the head on accident. I knew he was hitting me in the head on purpose to pop himself. How great was it working with Dave? I've always thought Dave, my opinion, was is the greatest heel I've ever seen. He he was so good. He is like by far, far and away, the most underrated performer ever. He should be talked about way more than he is. Like everything he does. And then you said, I mean, the greatest heel ever. But then when they turned him babyface. Because I was with him and he was getting cheered. He was so uncomfortable with it. Crazy uncomfortable because he's never been a baby face in his life. But even that worked. And he just his selling and all that, everything he does, every movement he makes is for a reason. And it's not just to go to the next thing. It's to make the crowd react to something that his opponent did. It's, he's, he's, 
for far and away the most underrated performer in wrestling history. I agree with that. I was riding with Dave one time and I, I, we were, were going from Virginia up to DC or somewhere. And I, we started telling stories like we were like, we're telling here. And he started telling some of those stories. I looked at him. I just shook my head. He's why, why, what's wrong? You don't believe me. I said, no, I said, Dave, I could kick myself in the ass cause I'm so damn old and I missed out working with you. I mean, I would have, I, I, I would have loved watching him work and, and then getting in the ring with him and going, going about with him, man. It, it would have had to be so, so nice to work with that guy. Because like you say, he's just precision. You know, everything about him is just, there, there's no herky-jerky. It's just fluid motion. It's as smooth as you can get, you know, and vicious on top of it. He made it look so real. And, you know, we use that term quite a bit. And we, he made it look so real, everything he did, because it was with him it a was. lot of the time. But also, even if it wasn't that little at that second that it wasn't, he made it look even more that it was. And uh, he, they would put guys against him and on the road from developmental all the time. And fit would be for a month or two, he would be the house show matches just to get him ready and get him going. And then he would have, man, we had Boogeyman for a year. We had <laughs> Henry for a long time. We had the great Kali. Seems like 19 years, but it's it, he 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 was put with these guys to make them better and to bring something out in them that people wouldn't necessarily see or that person wouldn't necessarily see. And he just he's awesome. He's just and he did. Hey, you have all these phobia dogs, chickens, and everything, but you mentioned the boogeyman. I mean, I, I every time boogeyman would come to gorilla, I would start throwing up just from the side of the worm. Down. What? what was your reaction? One of my favorite things about you, Mr. Briscoe, <laughs> the torment other people would get with you. Like just them. I, I swear, if someone coughed around you, you'd start gagging pretty much. And it well, just stretched all of us. There's a reason. He's oh, I, lo- all I, didn't say, I didn't say it was uncalled for. It's, <laughs> it's like me. It's, it's exactly like me. But it's the torment that people would put you through. Literally, like I said, just coughing. Oh. Or, all of that and just you couldn't be near it. <laughs> yeah. It would ever that. I mean, I've always all my life I've been like that, and I still am today. You know, I mean, if you, my dog pooped and I get, I, I got to run to the corner. You know? <laughs> One of the toughest guys in this business history, and, and he throws up when somebody sneezes on him. Maybe but, but that, you know, working at Gorilla, they know I'm tied down. You know, I got the headphones on, fences on one side, Kevin Dunn on the other, and everybody else is out there, you know, listening to me. And I, I'm, I'm basically tied down. I'm defenseless. I can't defend myself. And Dylan, you've seen it a hundred times where that big guy or yeah. – I mean, one time even Edge, as nice of a guy he is, he come up there and he had to show me a big Luger yeah, that he just coughed. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm gagging, I'm trying to go somewhere, and I can't do nothing. <laughs> I was under the ring one time, and at, at TV, I had a headset under there with the monitor so I could talk to the producers or the agents or, or Vince or whoever um, if something were to change or whatnot. But I was on the headset – and I could hear that someone was getting Mr. Briscoe because he was leaning on the button. And I could just hear all this tussling and Mr. Briscoe, God damn it. God damn it. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> and I'm dying underneath the ring because I, I wish I could see it, but I could picture it. Someone's getting him and just 
oh, it was the best. Yeah, big show one time. I mean, he's sitting back in the back, and I guess he's cutting some monsters, you know, and then, you know, just, just the place. You guys know how big show is. You know, the place he's, is he's freaking. And so somebody tells him, go to Gorilla and get Briscoe. Well, that's my worst thing right there. And so show comes up, and as soon as I see that big ass poke his head around the, the curtains and walk in, you know, you know who, who's there to, to for business and who's there to play. And I could see that that grin on his face. All of a sudden, he said, Gerald, and I looked at him, and he went, boom, like Andre the Giant one, man. I mean, just, just the walls just shook. And about 10 seconds later, I'm up, and I'm trying to get loose, but I'm tied down. I, something's going on, and I can't leave the, I can't leave the, leave my, my position. <laughs> But they him laughing. Even Vince over in the corner's gagging, but he's laughing his ass off. <laughs> oh man! Dylan, have have you ever, just by chance, have oh, no. you ever humped Big Show's leg? Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Wow, there's Let's, a story behind this, correct? I don't know that. Uh, whoever owned the other one was. Larry Heck was telling me the story. Oh, yes. Yes. So, and I, I didn't know if this was that or there was, when I first got hired, Big Show was afraid of little people. Deathly afraid no. of little which still like is a very odd thing to me. Very weird thing to me. But he, when I first got hired, I was, pull, uh, I pulled if up. He would have my- known you. He would have been afraid of you. Yeah. He didn't know you. Correct. Even better, which is even better, thankfully. But he, I was getting out and pulling my bags into, into TV that day and he gets out of his car and literally opens his door, sees me, shuts his door and will not come in for like 10 or 15 minutes until he knows that I'd be in the locker room by then and away. So he wouldn't, I wouldn't be in any direct view of him. It, it's one of those things where I, and then he just warmed up to me over time me and Larry humping his leg on occasion, many occasion probably helped with that. Um, <laughs> Larry too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it was a, it was a group effort. He's got big legs. Come on. <laughs> we got We got to team up on the on the big show's legs. It's fine. If if it's just me doing it, it's kind of a waste. People don't understand, and until Jerry, this all the time with people. Yeah, normal has nothing to do with the backstage area. Nothing to do with it. It's just, I just wish that years ago there could have been. There would have been the best reality show ever of just the craziness. It would last one episode before it got canceled, even in years ago cultures. But it just, it's. The backstage is so weird, but yet so normal in a weird way. Nothing is weird in a in in a backstage locker room. It's just oh, there's a midget humping big show. <laughs> you know, Dylan, to go back to to fit for just just a minute. You know, I got to spend two years in Europe, and I used to watch Dave Finley work every single night, literally. And I remember just sitting there thinking. I'm not that good. I'll never be that good. He was, he was that good. I mean, he was that good to watch every single night. Every night was different. That's why when I got to work with you guys at WrestleMania, that was, that was one of the greatest thrills and honor of my life was getting to work with Dave because I, I held him in such high regard. 
I that match, I again like fit in general. Um, that match does not get nearly the love it should. You guys like going into it, I was like, oh, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, there, there, it's this feud that's been going on for a while. We're starting WrestleMania. It's gonna be great. And then like watching it, and it doesn't click until I think after when you watch it back. Obviously, and I, I don't know how it was for you, but like watching it back, it's so good. And it's because it's like Mr. Briscoe mentioned, it's Finley and you, and it's real, and it makes everything like everything hurts, but yeah. in a good way, in a good way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in this crazy good way that only in wrestling makes sense. Um one of my the the biggest moment from that that gets brought up almost every day of my life is you throwing the trash can at me. Right. Which is like the biggest gif or gif, whatever the children say of all time. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't planned. Like everyone goes, no. oh that was such a good thing. I said if I wouldn't have moved at the last second, I would still be in Orlando laying face down today. Like, I, I just remember out of the, literally the corner of my eye, seeing this trash can coming at me and thank God I just turned, but it's one of the best parts of that match. And it's just, that match was so much fun. Finley doing a suicide dive, like through the ropes to the outside. Like he doesn't do that. And he goes, he, I remember him coming to me and goes, Dylan, I'm going to do a dive today. I said, no, you're not. I'm going to do a dive through the ropes. And I go, okay. And then he didn't. I go, oh. and then you just crack him. And I go, oh, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. You know what? People don't realize is the mindset behind that. I've got this great big tough Irishman in the ring, and I throw the trash can at the leprechaun outside. It's just like the biggest chicken shit thing you can do as a heel. That's, that was the, the whole mindset behind it. Yep. Yeah. It was, and again that that match, I, I I go back and forth. Like people are like, "Oh, are you are you upset that it started that mania because it could have been even bigger if it was later?" I said, "No, you guys set the pulse and the tone for that WrestleMania with that match and that like, all right, we're starting WrestleMania off that with this and that's and it's hard to top that." And and then it's the same one with Edge and Undertaker in one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history. It's such, but that night it was so awesome. It was so much fun, and it was. Well, you had one of the, a match that uh, I was out there. I, I didn't do commentary because they had the the we commentary team. I believe the guys that imitated me and Cole, uh, yeah. who were very good, by the way. The guy kept saying Michael, Michael. I don't say Michael. I, I say Michael like Michael. I don't say Michael. I say Michael. You you kind of say it with a G. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I do. And Dolph Ziggler's name. I, <laughs> people get me all that. I try to say it with an L. I'm from Texas. I don't do English well. I mean, <laughs> that could be the best quote ever. I'm from Texas. I don't do English well. <laughs> thank you, Dylan. Thank you. Thank you, brother. I love you. You're kidding me of John Layfield. I'm from Texas. I don't do English well. <laughs> it's not my I do not language. speak well. They have their own language down there. Yeah, exactly. And they they exclude a lot of words and that and include a lot of them that they shouldn't. I've realized no. that. A lot of words just aren't necessary. Not not for English. Too much energy in using them. <laughs> but the WLC match, um, the, that was that was amazing, absolutely amazing. We thought it was going to be good. I, I really did. I thought this is going to be really good. 
but it was exceptional. So that's, I'll never do anything better than that in my life. Like ever, ever, ever. Um, that was a night where, so I always wanted to work with Torito because he is an athlete. He is the best midget wrestler. And at that time, better than 90% of the regular roster. And like, he's just so good at what he can do. He can do anything, anything. And I was a little heavy to say the least. Uh, But I was like, you know what? I want to work with him. And everyone kept saying, no, it's the easy way out. No, it's, it's what people expect. If people expect it, why wouldn't you do it? You know? Okay. Whatever though. Finally, we get our shot and everyone's thinking I'm not, you know, Dylan's no chance he can hang with Torito. And we did the first match and it worked out awesome. And we were so happy with it. And we're going to WLC in New Jersey, which New Jersey, it's almost like the East coast, Chicago, where they will tear everything apart. Everything. Babyface, he everything. If it's the littlest thing wrong in their minds, they're going to tear it apart. And we're going to start the show. The first thing they see is two little guys with mini tables and mini ladders and mini chairs and mini commentators. And one of the little guys is a bull. This should get torn apart. And my mindset, and Finley was actually one of the agents for the match, him and Road Dog and Scott Armstrong, and I said, guys, I, I want to completely blow people's minds with this and shatter everything they thought it would be. And we got to the afterwards, we got to the back and we got the greatest feeling ever of the standing ovation in Gorilla. And it was the, the first time that ever happened in my career. And I was like, we did it. We did it. And we proved like the crowd coming into it. We proved them wrong. And it was awesome. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. It, it was something that, you know, we you just had a feeling. I saw you guys with Fit going over the match, and I thought, man, this could be really good. But you don't know. You don't know until you get out. I mean, even when you have a, a – I worked, you know, several nights in a row with the same guys, and one night you have a great match, one night you have a bad match. So you don't know until you get out there and do it. But when you do it and you're in the middle of it and you feel it, it's the greatest feeling in the world, knowing we're hitting this out of the park. Yeah. Isn't it weird that – if it's really, really good or a stinker, you feel that. But anything in the middle, you don't really. It's like if it's if it's real good, you're like, oh, this is the best. If it's a shit show and you're a minute in, you're going, we still have five more minutes. Why can't we just go now? Like, why can't right. just roll me up? Let's end it. Let's go. It's, just, it, it, it's something you, but you never feel that way if something's just okay. Dylan, do you think that you're a big Muppet fan? Do you think that uh, Statler and Waldorf were made after me and Briscoe? Do you think that that is? <laughs> My thought always was Briscoe and Pritchard. Yeah, yeah, much that, better. Much yeah. better. Much and better. Hey, yes. You yes. are definitely not as old as them either. So you're. No, you're, no, not even close. I'm not even born in the same oh. century. Dylan. <laughs> it's definitely Briscoe and, Pat, and, uh, and Pritchard that they were modeled after. So are you getting now, you're getting inked up. Are you going to get all the Muppets inked up on you? You have a Muppet leg, right? I I did. I I haven't for a couple of years. I haven't got a new one for a bit, but I have 26 Muppets on my leg. I am an absolute fanatic. Um, I got to do the movie with them, Muppets Most Wanted, back in 2014, which was just an absolute dream come true for me. Uh, It was awesome. It It was absolutely awesome. 
I've just been a fanatic all my life. Like people like horror movies or Scarface or Goodfellas. I haven't seen any of those. I just, I've seen a lot of Muppet movies a lot of times though. And your son is, from what I've seen on the interviews, uh, he's got an interest in being in the business, right? He loves wrestling so much that it's scared. We're going in a couple hours when he gets home from school to the, I run a training school and he, we're going there for, cause his talent show is virtual this year because the world is still a little crazy, which is fine. But his talent this year is he's going to do a full match for his talent show with his wrestling buddies in the ring at the school. Like this is what he wants. He's like, he goes, dad, I don't even need a crash pad today. No crash pad. <laughs> and I just go, you know what? Okay. Just do it. He just loves wrestling. He loves setting up and tearing down the ring. He loves selling merch. He loves just everything about it. He, he, he wants to know everything and pick it apart. And he just, but also he can sit back and watch it. He can watch Mondays on raw and AEW on Wednesdays and SmackDown on Fridays and take it all in still as a fan, which I tell him all the time. I said, no matter what, just be a fan of wrestling. You're at that age. Don't, don't take, just be a fan. Like he's a enjoy it. Yeah. Be able to enjoy it because there comes a time when in your mindset, you can't, or you shouldn't. And that's not a good mindset anymore. Uh, he's 11 going on 30, I think, huh. at times. but he's just, he's enthralled with wrestling. He is, he's awesome. He's, and you've got a training school. You run, you run shows too up in. Yeah. Yeah. ACW Wisconsin out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin, the small town Oshkosh. Uh, we've been running shows for going on eight years this year and it's been awesome. I hope it's running back again now with COVID. I'm not sure how COVID is up in Wisconsin right now. I don't think COVID, I don't think ever COVID was ever, uh, in Wisconsin, to be honest, <laughs> like, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't, we Too shut down COVID. like two months and then the bars are like, Oh, we can't be shut down anymore. How dare you? And we just opened up, which, Okay. But yeah, we've been running uh, socially distanced and requiring masks and temp checks throughout and very uh, limited capacities, but it's been awesome. Like it's been people of the, the support they've shown through this, through the crazy, the crazy last year and a half now has been great. And it's been, uh, it's been great. It's been, it's been a really, really good time. I love running shows and promoting or performing on them and running the school with the, the group of guys I have. It's just I love wrestling. We all love wrestling. And the minute I always say the minute you stop loving it, you got to go because that's the time where you're just, you're almost, you're, you're burnt out as they say, but it's not even a burnt out. It's just your, your passion is gone. Like anything. If, if uh, Jimmy Smith down the road, who's a welder just stops enjoying welding. It's time to go. Not hey, 52 not. years later, Dylan, I still am in love with the damn business. I still enjoy watching these guys and girls yeah. compete, and they're getting better every day, you know. But I want to ask you a non-wrestling fan, uh, question because I know what kind of football. You still live in Green Bay, right? Right outside of Green Bay, yes. I'm sorry my Buccaneers kicked your ass last year, but are you still a uh, Aaron Rodgers fan? Are you, are you talking about the Buccaneers with Mr. Deflate Gate Tom Brady? Is that who you're talking That's about? That's who I'm talking are about, the Super Bowl about? champion. I, we don't – I mean you know, <laughs> – right, Tell me about Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what's going on. Guys, again, I don't know sports. I know Aaron Rodgers plays for the Packers. I probably <laughs> couldn't tell you two other players on the Green Bay Packers. I think Mason Crosby still kicks for them. I'm not sure. I like 
I'm a Packers fan. Like I love watching the Packers play, but I'm not a football fan or like a follower by any means. Um, I don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and the whole team and everything. If he were to leave the team, I would be very upset because I feel like he's really, really good. Last year, when he could have ran the ball in, that cost us the game. At the end, really pissed me off. That was the worst. Like, why you would throw it away at that point and not just run it in, I'll never understand. And that easily, that would have been the win. That would have been the win right there. But uh, hopefully he sticks around. Hopefully. You have have to understand, Mr. Briscoe, there's a little bit of a conspiracy theory going on here because he was right near that meth-looking guy that looks like he's Michael Hayes' son, the Tiger King, in Oklahoma. Uh, And then he moved down there right next to Carol Baskin in Tampa Bay, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won a championship. I I don't think that's uh, not correlated, all of that together. So he's he's a flip-flopper, you're saying? (laughs) Exactly. That's what you're saying? Exactly. Next Dale, year, don't, don't encourage him, please. I, next I year, if the Vikings enough. were to win, he's going to move to, te- to to the Twin Cities. I'm assuming. I'm That's assuming. right. Oh, no way. Exactly he'll be cold up there, man. He'll move up there. Move up there with Eddie Sharkey. <laughs> At least I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan. We can all know. say that. Thank God. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dylan, look, I can't thank you enough for for coming. Guys, you're such a you're such a fun guy. I, I, I had so much fun with you. The book you wrote, uh, Life is Short, So Am I, great book. Thank but uh, more importantly, Briscoe and I just enjoy having great people on the show. And we, when Jerry said, let's get Hornswoggle, I said, oh, my God. <laughs> That's, I've been looking forward to this. Exceeded all expectations like yeah. you always do. You're one of the good guys. So thank you very much for coming on. That's, that's always you. been like a crazy thing to me is, is it's so cliche to say, especially between us. Like there's a lot of acquaintances in wrestling friends are the hardest part and you guys have always been so much fun. Like you said, we've always just laughed and that's, if you can laugh at yourself with others, that's the best part. And that's something I've always wanted to do is, is just be able to laugh, make everyone laugh and just have fun because these 20 day tours get real long after a while. So at about day 17, if, if there could be a pick me up and if I'm the butt of the joke or starting the butt of the joke, that makes me feel a little happier because we're getting through. Very well said. I mean, you, you said it right, bro. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on Dylan. This has been a blast for us. Thank you guys. Thank you.